Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And we're going to begin reading with verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 1. We've been talking about for the past few weeks about uh, in the book of 1 Samuel, we've started out talking about uh, Elkanah, Hannah, and the birth of Samuel and how God raised up a prophet in the midst of a uh, tumultuous uh, time for the nation of Israel. And then we talked about uh, Sunday a couple weeks ago, we talked about Saul and uh, Saul's rebellion, Saul's manipulation, and all these things that Saul did uh, to try to uh, make himself look good. And so today, I, wanna, I want us to start, uh, we're, we're going to be in a transition uh, because we're going to be moving out of this era or this time where Saul was king, and Saul was king over the nation of Israel uh, for around 60 years. So for 60 years, this rebellion, this stubbornness, and this manipulation had taken place with the nation of Israel. But today we're going to transition uh, uh, from that into another uh, time that God, listen, God, God will allow stubbornness and he will allow manipulation and he will allow rebellion to go on for, for a period of time. But there's going to come a time that God's going to raise somebody up. He's going to raise a voice up that, that will come and will set things in order. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about David the shepherd boy, and the anointing that makes room for the gift. The anointing that makes room for the gift. So in 1 Samuel chapter 16, let's begin reading with verse 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what thou shalt do. And you shall anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders uh, of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come to me, come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass that when they were come, that he looked on Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance, 
or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. And then Jesse made Shammah to pass by. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. And again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remains yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he comes hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was a ruddy and with a, of a good of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said to Samuel, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, talking about David, in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the power of your word this morning. Holy Spirit, we can't do this without you. As a matter of fact, Father, today, if you don't come, if you don't move in this service, we'll have just a dead, dry, powerless time. So, Father, we look to you this morning. Do what I'm not able to do. And, Father, this morning, let your word penetrate our hearts today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. When we talk about transitions, our lives are filled with transitions. All of us go through times when we're transitioning from one phase of life to another. Uh, we're transitioning from one job to another. We're transitioning uh, from one relationship to another or something like that. All of us go through transitions. Uh, in the New Testament, we see where John the Baptist in uh, Matthew chapter 3 came on the scene. And the Bible says that John came on the scene wearing uh, camel uh, clothes for, for a suit. John uh, came on the scene eating locust and wild honey. And he mixed right in uh, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of those that were decked out in their, uh, uh, their righteous attire. John the Baptist came in preaching a message that was new. It was a message that had never been heard of. Jesus came in right behind John the Baptist, affirming the message that John the Baptist was preaching, talking about repentance, talking about turning from your sins and, and repenting of your sins and all of that. And what it was that, that John the Baptist and Jesus was transitioning. It was a period of time that, that they were transitioning uh, people out of the religious system of that time which had failed and man had come in. And, and that time of, of religious uh, upheaval uh, had failed and, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and all the other seas had got into it and, and it became all about man. And Jesus 
came and, and turned it around and, and brought it back to front and center. And it was a time of, of transition. It was a time of God saying the old hasn't worked, so I'm bringing in something different. And so, uh, and we look on down even in the book of Acts, and we started Wednesday night talking about uh, the book of Acts with chapter 1. And Acts, the book of Acts is a, is a book that is a story. It's a book of transition. It's a book where the church is, is beginning to be born and birthed. And out of a religious culture and out of a culture of, of people that were bent on observing the law. And the book of Acts is a story of, of men. It chronicles the transition uh, out of that and of men uh, that uh, were driven by the law. And God raised up apostles that would come in that were driven by the anointing and they were driven by the presence of God and, and they were transformed by the power of God. And so he transitioned uh, that into uh, where we are today as the church. So all of us go through those times of transition. And so as we look at this story of uh, Samuel and, and the anointing of David as, as king over the nation of Israel, I, wanna, I want you to notice something in the first verse of chapter 16. The Lord said to Samuel, he said, How long are you going to mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him? from reigning over Israel. And then he said, Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king uh, among his sons. As I read that the other day, the Lord began to deal with my heart about places that we find ourselves in. And the hardest thing about transition for me many times is that I'm trying to hold on to what God is trying to transition me out of. I'm trying to, I'm trying to hold on to what, uh, what God is saying, I want to make a change. I want to do something different. I want to make a change in your life. The reason that many churches never uh, get through the transitional periods is that people are trying to hold on to what God is telling them to let go of. Samuel was a great man of God. He was a prophet of God, greatly used by God. But if you read in this passage of Scripture and this story, you'll see where Samuel mourned because of Saul. Because when Samuel looked and saw Saul in his rebellion and his manipulation, I don't know what all went through his mind, but the Bible says that he mourned for Saul for many days. He wept over something that had failed for many days. I believe it might be because Samuel had high expectations uh, for Saul. Samuel was expecting Saul to do great things, but it didn't work out. And there are some of us perhaps that are here this morning and God is saying, I want to transition you. I want to move you from one place to another, but you're still holding on to something in the past that you expected to be good. Maybe God is saying, I want you to get, uh, I want you to transition out of a relationship that you've been in. And you said, but God, I want to give it one more opportunity. I want to try it one more time, God. And God is saying, you need to let it go because in order for me to get you uh, to the place that I want to get you you've got to let go of yesterday 
Some of you might be here this morning, you might be saying, Pastor, but you don't understand the yesterday. You don't understand the pain of yesterday and what happened to me yesterday, and I certainly don't, and I don't pretend to this morning, but can I tell you something today? That you can learn from your pain of yesterday. You can grow out of your pain from yesterday. You can take what yesterday uh, meant to kill you, and you can raise it up and make life come out of it. You I say, but it's dead, and it and it's and it's hurting, and it's it's wounded me, and it's messed me up. But God is saying, if you will listen to me, I will take those things that caused death in your life yesterday, and they'll cause life in your life tomorrow. See, we fret about the things that didn't work out in our lives. And many people today, you are stuck in things that didn't work out in your life and you can't get past it. Maybe you're stuck because a job didn't work out or maybe you're stuck because uh, uh, a relationship didn't work out or maybe you're stuck because God didn't do what you felt like he should do in your life and you're stuck there and you can't get out of it. Can I tell you this morning that God is saying from heaven today that that didn't work and the reason that it didn't work is because men or people failed in that area but God is saying that is not the end of your life. That is not the end of your destiny because there's something that I want to do that you're going to see destiny come out of. I like what God said to Samuel. How long are you going to mourn for Saul? How long are you going to mourn for yesterday? There are people this morning that God is saying, I want to do something greater in your life and I want to get down in your flower bed in your front yard this morning if I may. But I'm, uh, God is wanting to do something great in your life and through your life. But you are so stuck in your religious activity from yesterday that God said, I can't get through. Listen, there is one thing in, in uh, the four gospels that you'll see where even Jesus, the Son of God, could not break through. He could not work through, and that was religion. Religion is simply a man's pattern of doing things over and over and over and expecting something to happen each time they do it. But we get so bound up in religion. Listen, it doesn't matter uh, the name over the church door that you go to. That's not the point. You can be a Baptist and still be dead. You can be a Pentecostal and speak in tongues and still be dead. You can be a charismatic and jump up and down and still not have relationship with God. That's not the point, ladies and gentlemen, but it's about the heart that, that looks to God and says, I am nothing without you. And God is saying today to the church that, that can't you see that society is in a mess? Can't you see that schools are in a mess? Can't you see that marriages are in a mess? And we need to make a transition. Listen, it is not the government. It is not President Trump. It is not our Congress. It is not our representatives that we got to worry about. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ that God is saying, I want to do something 
something in your life. Listen, it doesn't matter how big your devil is. It doesn't matter how big an enemy you are facing. If you get your heart right with God, God will deal with your devil and God will deal with your enemy. You don't have to worry about what's coming against you. Just worry about what's coming out of you and that will make the difference in your life. Sit around mourning, crying and mully grubbing and like a, like a bullfrog that's sucked on lemons all day because we're mad because God's not doing it like I thought he should do it. The preacher's not preaching like I think he should. The Sunday school teacher's not teaching like I think he should. The deacon's not deacon like I think he ought to. And so I'm gonna get mad and frustrated and all that. And listen, can I tell you something this morning? God is saying I wanna move some things around in your life and I want to transition some things in your life. Come on, Samuel. How long are you going to mourn about yesterday that didn't work out? How long are you going to worry and fret about yesterday? Get in the now because God's not in the yesterday. God is in now and saying I want to do something now. I like this part of this story because I can see Samuel sitting down with his head between his legs, weeping and crying, worried and frustrated because he don't know what the future is going to be. But maybe he forgot what he said to Saul in chapter 15, you disobeyed God, but God's got a man already. He's already got a man. Listen, God never goes without a plan. If A don't work out, B will work out. And if B don't work out, God says, I got a C that'll follow it up. If Moses don't take him into the promised land, I've got a Joshua. I've always got somebody that will stand up and hear me with a spiritual ear and follow what I'm saying. So listen, don't worry about your situation, sir. Don't worry about your place, ma'am, because God's already got a B that's coming up. Said A didn't work out, but B is gonna work out because I already knew it was going to happen. You know what God is saying to us this morning? God is saying, fill your horn with oil. Fill your horn with oil. Come on, Samuel. I can see him as he's sitting there and he's weeping and crying like I've done so many times and be, be scooping up BBs off the floor with my bottom lip because I'm sad and, and messed up and don't know how things are gonna work out and, and I'm sitting there, Brother Robert, feeling sorry for myself and all of a sudden I hear the voice of God say, get up. Get up, Samuel. Fill your horn with oil might not mean much to you. But when God told Samuel to fill his horn with oil, that meant that the oil was going to be poured out on somebody and that the anointing of God was going to come on somebody. God was going to move on somebody. And what Saul had messed up, God was going to move on somebody and they would fix it up because the anointing of God will change the whole situation. 
Listen, I got to hurry. I, I hadn't even got to my notes yet. And everybody said, wow, I can't believe that, Pastor. You would never do that. Fill your horn with oil, Samuel, because I found a man after my own heart. The Bible says that Samuel went down, and I'm, I'm going to quickly move through this. Samuel went down to Jesse's house. See, if you, if, if you understand God, you will know that what I said a while ago, if plan A don't work, God's always got something to come up to follow it because God's all-knowing, he's all-seeing, and, and he's already been there, uh, you know, and, and so he already knows. So uh, anyway, Samuel went down to Jesse's house, and uh, to make a long story short, he said, look, uh, God sent me down here. I need to see all your boys. Bring all your sons out. I, I want to see every one of them. And, and so Samuel lined up uh, seven of his sons. Eliab was the first one that came out. And Eliab was probably big, strong, and stocky built, and uh, tall, and uh, dark, and handsome, and all that. And, and Samuel, because he was still thinking about Saul, because Saul stood head and shoulders above everybody else and all that, Samuel said, surely this is the one that God's got uh, that he wants me to anoint as king. God said, no, that's not him. He said, you're looking on the outward appearance. I don't look on the outward appearance. I look on the heart. So I want you to get that this morning because, friend, God's not concerned about how you look. He's not worried about what you're seeing with your eyes. God is saying, I'm seeing uh, the inward man. So anyway, uh, Eliab wasn't the man. He brought out Abinadab, and uh, he wasn't the man. He brought out Shammah, and Shammah wasn't the man. And, and so... Uh, we don't know if he went through all the other uh, brothers or not, but apparently he did, and he got down to the end of it, and Samuel said, is this all your sons? Jesus said, no, I got one more, but he's out in the field keeping the sheep. He's out in the field watching and tending the sheep. Samuel said, I'm not going to sit down until you get him in here because I want to look at him. The Bible says that David came in and God said, that's the one. It's amazing to me how God worked in this situation that what man looked at and saw value in, God looked at and saw something that he couldn't use. All right? Listen, you might be here this morning. You might look at yourself in the mirror on a daily basis and say, I could never do that. I could never be what God wants me to be. I could never amount to anything. But can I tell you something this morning? You need to break the mirror and quit looking at yourself in the mirror and begin to get in the mirror of the Word of God and begin to read the Word of God because it is in the Word of God that God can bring your destiny out. The Bible says that Samuel poured the, the horn of oil on David's head. And the Bible says that, that when Samuel did that, that the Spirit of the Lord moved on David from that day forward. If you read that uh, passage of Scripture, uh, that 
word moved on means that from that moment on, the Spirit of God rushed on David's life. The Spirit of God rushed over David's life. Listen, David had kept the sheep in the backside of the field. He had guarded them. The Bible says later on that he killed the bear. He slew the lion and all that. And, and that was good. And, and that's uh, mighty feats of power. But it wasn't done under the anointing. And, and listen, I, wanna, I want you to understand what I'm trying to say this morning. I believe today that God is warning uh, to do something. There are people that you've done good things. You've done great things, but you haven't done it in the anointing. Listen, church, there's an anointing. There's a power that God wants to give to the church, to the body of Christ, that will cause us to do great things. God wants to bring greatness out of you. God is tired of status quo things. Uh, what you've been doing, everybody's been doing. But when the anointing of God begins to move over you, everybody won't be able to do what God wants you to do. There, there are people that God has marked for you that, uh, and you might say, well, anybody could reach those people, but anybody can't do it because the anointing that God wants to put on you is going to raise you up to do it. Listen, God took David, a little shepherd boy that nobody else had ever considered about being uh, able to amount to anything, and God raised him up. David was 15 years old when Samuel anointed him as king. 15 years old. Here in just a few minutes, we're going to lay hands on our school kids that are going back to school. And, and as I began to study this, Holy Spirit began to deal with me. He said, today, I want you to lay hands on the children, the school kids that are going back to school. And he said, I want you to pray over them, and I want every one of them anointed with oil. So we're going to anoint every child here today. If parents, if you will allow us, we're going to anoint them with oil. And mom and dad, I want you to pray over them this morning. Because we have failed in this generation to recognize the power of the anointing of God on our children's lives. And we get them up out of bed on Monday morning and we put nice clothes on them and we send them out and we send them out to good schools, to the best schools that we can afford and all that and we send them into a culture of people that do not know Jesus, that do not fear God, that have no reverence for the things of God and we expect them to turn out good just because we bring them to church maybe every once in a while on Sunday morning. But I want to tell you something this morning, Mom and Dad. There's something about when you put your hand on your son or your daughter, when you intentionally put your hand on that little boy and say, son, I am putting my hand on you and I'm speaking the word of God over your life and I am directing your life with the word of God. Daughter, I'm putting my hand on your head and I'm calling you something that the world will never call you. I'm calling you a woman of God. I'm calling you a young 
young lady and I'm calling you to be better than those that will climb in the back seat with everybody that comes along. I'm calling you to rise above all the culture and I'm identifying you today as a man or a woman of God and I'm not leaving it up to you and I'm not leaving it up to culture uh, to call your gender but I'm identifying you this morning as a man or a woman of God and by the power and the anointing of the oil that's in my horn I'm pouring it out on your head and I'm giving you a direction for your life and I'm saying you will not fail I'm saying you will not give in to the culture I'm saying you will not go uh, down the road of drug addiction and all that because I am marking you and I'm raising you up to be something greater than the culture Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brag a little bit. I did that with all of my girls. And yes, they made mistakes. Yes, they failed along the way. But can I tell you something this morning? That I've got three, me and Judy, not just me, me and my wife, my beautiful wife. We've got three awesome daughters that every one of them love Jesus with all their heart. I've got daughters that flow in the prophetic. I've got daughters that that worship the Lord. I've got daughters that know how to pray. I've got daughters that know how to touch heaven. I've got daughters that, yes, they speak in tongues and they pray in tongues. They walk in the anointing. And you say, oh, but pastor, you're bragging. Yeah, I'm bragging, but more than that, I'm giving honor to God because all, listen, Listen, all I did, all Judy did was every day of their lives we put our hands on their head and we marked them and said, devil, you will not have my daughters. You will not have my children. I'm claiming them for Jesus. I want to tell you something this morning young lady or young man, there's some of you here today that your mom and dad have been claiming you for Jesus. Can I tell you something? Can I save you a little misery? Just go ahead and give in and say, God, I'll serve you. I'll do what you want me to because if you don't, it's going to be a miserable time because it'll get to the place where you can't sleep at night. It'll get to the place to that can of beer uh, that used to taste good for you will make you sick. It'll get to the place where you get choked on the cigarette and all of that and all that other stuff won't make you happy no more so let me save you a little misery just go ahead and give yourself over to Jesus and follow him listen Samuel anointed David listen can I tell you this the horn of oil being poured over David's head did not create the king. But what it did was it solidified what God had already said that I'm going to do. What it did was it marked David. David was then set apart from all the others. 
David could no longer be like his brothers. David could no longer walk down the street and be just David, the shepherd boy. David was now the shepherd boy anointed king. David was now one that carried a mark uh, for the God of all the heavens. David was one that couldn't be like everybody else anymore. He was a changed man. Listen, the Lord said, I'm not doing this because of how he looks. So it's not about my appearance. It's not about how you look at me and what you see when you look at me because people look at the outward man and they identify your ability by how you look on the outside. That's the reason one of the problems in the church is that we can put on our makeup, or y'all can. I don't wear any right now. I ain't going to wear none. I know I'm getting bad on English here, but I ain't going to wear none. We can put on makeup. We can color our hair. We can put on a nice suit. We can wear our best dress and all of that, and we walk in the sanctuary doors looking like a million dollars, but on the inside, we ain't worth a nickel because we've got it all fixed up on the outside, but on the inside, we're all messed up. We don't, we're afraid that people are going to look at me. Listen, I walk up to people sometimes, and it used to bother me because I'd walk up to them and grab them by the hand and say, how you doing? And they wouldn't look at me. And, and it bothered me, and I, I, began, to, I began to have a, a self-confidence problem because I said, God, these people won't even look at me in the face. I wonder why I'd be in Walmart, and, and I'd see a brother down at the other end of the aisle, and, and I'd start that way, and they'd duck into the, uh, into the female aisle over there. And I said, my goodness, something wrong here. I've had, a, I've had them to duck in to, to the aisle where all the wine and beer is, knowing good and well they didn't drink. They'd be there browsing, looking at the Miller Lite and all that, and they'd see me go by the corner of the eye, and, and I'd just keep on walking, and then they'd turn around and go the other way. And I, it, it bothered me. I said, God, I don't understand what's going on. He said, son, it's because many people have things on the inside and the eye is the window to the soul. And he said, when you look into people's eyes, they think you're going to see their soul. He said, but you hadn't got to worry about it because I've already seen it. And he said, sometimes the anointing that is in you convicts those that you're around. That's the reason they don't want to be around you. It's not because they don't like you. It's because they fall under conviction. God doesn't see as we do. God doesn't judge in the manner that we do. The Bible says in Psalm 147 and verse 10 that God's, God delights not in the strength of the horse, nor does he take pleasure in the legs or the power of a man, but the Lord takes pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord 
run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. I really believe this morning that we're in a time that God is anointing Davids, that God is taking people that nobody else would ever give a second glance to, and he's raising them up. Listen, the anointing changes everything. When God, when Samuel poured the, the uh, horn of oil on David's head, David had been a shepherd boy. But you're going to discover as you begin to read on past chapter 16, you're going to begin to discover how that the evil spirit began to plague Saul's life. Saul began to go through uh, this this time when when he had rejected God. And any time you reject God, you're opening the door for the enemy to come into your life. And that's the reason you begin to uh, have mind games, and that's the reason that you begin to struggle with depression and things like that many times because people reject God and it opens the door for the enemy to come in and wreak havoc in your life. But I want to tell you what the anointing will do. Here's Saul, this backslidden king, rebellious king, struggling. Somebody comes and says, hey, when you're having one of your episodes, I know a young man that can play a harp real well. Would it be all right if I send and get him and bring him? See, you missed, you, you, you missed that right there because David was a shepherd boy keeping the sheep out in the field. But when the anointing oil was poured over David's life, God began to give him favor in high places. God began to make things happen in his life. Some of you need some things to happen in your life. You might need to get under the anointing. And the next moment, David finds himself sitting in the palace playing the harp for the king. That's how the anointing works. You see, the anointing will make room for you, sir. The anointing will make room for you, ma'am. Where man has tried to push you out, man has tried to keep you down, the anointing will make room for you. Young man, young lady, I want to tell you, you might be bullied at school. You might have people at school that have bullied you, that have called you all kind of names. Can I tell you something this morning? The anointing will change the whole thing. The anointing will turn things around. All you got to do is begin to walk under the presence and the power of God and see how God begins to turn things around in your life.